Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs and Proverbs chapter 20. The book of Proverbs and chapter number 20. We've been walking through the book of Proverbs in this part of the year and just hitting passage by passage here, there, and a little bit and to be able to hit these wonderful principles that we find. Now, quite often, we find these principles are repeated in the book of Proverbs. And so with passages like that, we try to loop them all together instead of try to give you individual messages on each of those passages to loop them all together so that way we can see the running theme to see the complete teaching in the book of Proverbs on a specific teaching or topic. We find that once again, as we turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 20, and notice with me in verse number one. The book of Proverbs chapter 20, and notice with me in verse one, the Bible says this, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs chapter 20? The book of Proverbs chapter 20, and notice with me in verse number one, the phrase, wine is a mocker. Wine is a mocker. And with the the Lord's help, we're going to show from the book of Proverbs what the Bible has to say concerning alcohol as we have this theme and this title, wine is a mocker a mocker. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we are asking for great wisdom and great discernment that we could see clearly what you have to say, that we don't have to try to twist it. We don't have to try to make it say something that we want to say. Help us to have eyes to see Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from thy law, that we would have an honest heart, that we won't try to read something into it. We'll see what it says and allow you to be God and that we would say yes to whatever you clearly say. Lord, be a help to us even now and grant us wisdom. Fill me with your precious spirit, Lord, that this whole thing could be honoring to you. Lord, with a passage such as this and a subject matter such as this, this is something I cannot and will not, do not dare to do in my own flesh. But I could trust your spirit to do your own work and to draw your people closer to you because of whom you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we tackle this very important and may I say controversial subject, what does the Bible say specifically in Proverbs concerning alcohol? May I start off by saying the only reason why it's comfort, it'd be um, controversial is because people don't want to obey it. People who have no problems with alcohol will have no problems with this message. I learned a long time ago that, uh, that when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. And uh, 
We just want to clearly see what the Bible has to say. Not my opinion, not the church's opinion, not someone else's opinion. What does the Bible have to say? And we're going to allow God to be the final rule and authority in our life. Notice with me, if you don't mind, this powerful phrase that says, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The first thing I'd like to bring to your attention as we explore what the Bible has to say specifically in Proverbs is that we see drinking alcohol causes suffering. Drinking alcohol causes suffering. Every once in a while, someone will attempt to justify alcohol through the scriptures. However, if you take a systematic view of scripture, what does that mean? It means we take all of the Bible and all that the Bible says, not just one verse or two verses, but all of the Bible, we start to get a good understanding of that topic or that theme. And throughout the scriptures, without a doubt, drunkenness always leads to suffering. Drunkenness is treated as a sin. Remember that if it's an idea that's permissible, then it wouldn't be sin. It is always treated as a sin. What do you mean? The very first recorded person who had ever got drunk in the Bible was Noah. Noah got drunk. And uh, there are some creation things behind that. But regardless, Noah got drunk. And during that time, there was an incident Because of that incident, his grandson was cursed permanently by God. Why? Because alcohol was involved. Alcohol led to suffering. Alcohol led to consequences. Alcohol led to a curse. Think about another person, another, the next person in the Bible that was publicly drunk or that was intoxicated. That would be Lot. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot lost his family. He lost most of his daughters. He lost all of his sons. He lost his wife. And now he is hiding up in the mountains with just him and his daughters. Remember that he was dragged out of the city. The angels had to force him to go. Now, as a point of logic, that if you were being forced out of your house because of a fire, you only had time to grab something, what would you grab? You would grab what you thought was most important to you. For some people, it would be their phones. For some people, it would be the important papers, the, uh, the title deeds, the birth certificates. For ladies, it would be the photo album. You would grab what you thought was the most important to you. Well, as Lot is up in the mountains with his daughters, they drink and get drunk. May I ask, where did he get the alcohol? Did he get it from the alcohol store in the cave nearby? He brought it with him. That Lot had somehow fallen at least in the habit of drinking. So when he is being forced out, the angels are literally physically dragging him out of the city. He only has time to grab something. He grabs alcohol. So what happens? Well, his daughters look at each other and say, well, humanity's collapsed. We've now entered the apocalypse. We have to rebuild humanity. So it's our job with dad. Let's get dad drunk. And they got dad drunk. And both of them lay with their father. And both of them produced nations. The nation of Moab 
and the nation of Ammon. Both of these nations were a plague upon Israel. Even to this day, right near Israel right now, to the east of the Jordan River is a country by the name of Jordan. And the capital city of Jordan is Ammon. You see, drunkenness caused world affairs that still rage today. That's the second time alcohol and drunkenness was mentioned. And you go on and on and you find that this drunkenness was always considered a sin and caused suffering. You have Nabal. Nabal, who was a fool. By the way, his, his name Nabal means fool. That David tried to help him out and asked for a favor. Nabal treated David horribly. So David was going to go on the march and kill Nabal. His wife Abigail <coughs> interceded for him and uh, went to David, gave him food, took care of him, and apologized for her husband. And she went back. Nabal got drunk. And in his drunkenness, she uh, waited until it was clearing up and then said, hey, uh, I helped David out. And Nabal's heart turned to stone. Five days later, he died. Drunkenness. You even look at David. Attempting to cover his own guilt, David attempted to get Uriah drunk to try to cover up David's sins. All throughout the Bible, when you see the illustration of someone being drunk, you see alongside it, suffering. You see as the Bible treats it as sin and sin being involved. Notice with me as we're looking in Proverbs, Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Again, we're trying to see what the Bible has to say clearly. Not just one or two passages that we think are favorable to it, but what does the Bible say as a whole? Notice with me Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, the chapter, says quite a bit about alcohol. Let's look at a couple passages. Let's start in verse 19. Proverbs 23 and verse 19. Hear thou my son and be wise. Guide thy heart in the way. So son, I'm going to give you some wisdom. I'm going to guide you. Listen to me. What advice is he going to give to his son? Verse 20. Be not among the wine bibbers among riotous eaters of flesh. flesh. Why? For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Notice, Solomon is teaching his son, Son, stay away from drinking. You stay away from those that drink. You stay away from those who are drinking alcohol. Why? Verse 40, remember when you see that, or 21, whenever you see the word for, that word for, you could often ask the question why, and it's going to give the answer. Why stay away from them? Because for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe the man with rags. Notice this, drunkenness, gluttony, and laziness are a sure recipe for, for ruin. That's what it's talking about. Drunkenness glutton and drowsiness or laziness bring a man to ruin. It ruins everything that he has. They form a terrible trio joining forces to down even the best, the strongest, and the smartest of men. 
He says, stay away from them. Stay away from those that drink because you're going to get caught up in it and it's going to eventually cause you ruin. Think about alcohol. How many houses has alcohol built? And how many houses has alcohol destroyed? How many lives has alcohol helped become successful? And how many lives have been in ruin because of drink? This is the principle that Solomon is not just preaching against alcohol. He said, don't even hang around those that drink. Lest you get sucked in. And then you find that your whole life being ruined. Stay away from them. Notice as it goes on later on in the chapter, it gives another principle starting at verse number 29. Proverbs 23, 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Notice these verses present an unlovely picture. A full-length portrait of a drunkard throughout these verses here. Half a dozen questions start off this passage here to try to make us think and help us to see the drunkard for whom he is. Notice, who hath woe? Those that drink. Who hath sorrow? (laughs) Those that drink. Who hath contentions? Those that drink. Who hath babbling? Those that drink. Who hath wounds without cause? Those that drink. Who hath redness of eyes? Who that drink? Just in case you uh, were doubting that this is the answer. Verse 30. They that tarry long at wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. The answer that follows is those that tarry alone in wine and those that seek mixed wine, mixed drink. There is a great <coughs> warning here. Who is it that, that, as it paints this picture, you know, it's always amazing that sports teams, of course, we live in a sports town. Sports teams are always sponsored by alcohol. But if alcohol is such a great help, how come they're not allowed to drink during a game? It's not going to help them play better. You think of a NASCAR racer. Do you want him drinking before a race? No, probably not the best thing. You understand alcohol doesn't put someone better. As much as they want to put the prettiest model and the best looking handsome person and the athlete in the alcohol ads, they're selling something that doesn't give the end result. They don't look like someone who's been drinking for a lifetime. That model who looks all perfect is not someone who's been drinking all of her life. That athlete who is, uh, is not a picture of someone who is untouched by alcohol. That's the opposite of it. It's someone's ruined their life. The picture here in verse 29 is the someone. As it goes on, it continues to paint the picture of that drunkard. Notice as it goes on, verse 31. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, and when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Verse 31 is very interesting. Have you ever seen someone at a wine tasting thing? They take the cup and they move it around and they give commentary on how the, the wine moves. Notice as it moves around its texture and how it goes up there. And notice the color of it. You, you, you hear them all say that. That's what 31 is talking about here. Is 
don't hang around those people who know that much about wine that they give. This is the odor of it. It kind of smells musky. And you up there. You, no. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. You don't need to know that much about alcohol. You don't need to know about it. Verse number 32. At last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. All right. So here's the, the illustration. All right, you have those people who are messing around with the alcohol and moving it around. Look at its color. Look at its texture. Oh, get that smell. Get it in there. Uh, And for some reason, they go to the alcohol test and they swish it in their mouth and they spit it back out and then get the taste of it. You know, you're like, how do I know? I don't. But here it says, it's like someone taking a rattlesnake. Here's the rattlesnake. Do you see its diamonds? Do you see the rattle up there? As it goes up there, let everyone look. See its odor. You know what that rattlesnake's going to do? It's going to bite you. And you don't want to get bitten. It's going to have effects that you don't want to have. That's how dangerous alcohol is as well. It is going to bite you and it is going to cause you harm. That's what God is trying to get across. You may think that you could handle your alcohol, but it is going to bite you. I drink and I drink not to excess. I drink as a culture. I drink as a whatever. It will bite you and it will hurt you. And it will cause more damage than you ever expected it to cause. It is dangerous to play around with. Don't play around with it. Now, this isn't what pastor's saying. This is what the Bible's saying. You have a problem with it, you take it up to him. That's between you and the Lord. This is what God is saying in his word. Verse number 33. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Notice verse 33. The drunkard (laughs) will end up beholding strange women. What is strange? Strange carries the idea of not that they look funny or the cross-eyed or, or their face is all asymmetrical. It's dealing with the idea strange is something that doesn't belong to you. You know what alcohol does? Is it lowers those inhibitions. It is a well-documented and established link between drunkenness and immorality. There used to be an old country song that the girls just get prettier near closing time. Why is that? Because of immorality. There's a practice of immorality. When you drink, you now open yourself up to be able to commit immoral acts that you normally wouldn't do when you're right of mind. Notice as it goes on at the end of verse 33. And thine heart shall utter perverse things. The drunkard will blurt out vileness and treachery. Things that he would never say when he is sober. He will say when he is drunk. Foolishness. Garbage. And the things that he will do. In the south, uh, we have a saying that we know someone's going to get hurt. Hey, y'all watch this. It's usually because someone's had too much beer and then they say, y'all watch this. And you know that someone's going to make a video of this and go make money when they're showing on the video show. They will do stupid things they would never do in their sane mind. But now that they're drunk, they say stupid things and they do stupid things. Notice as it goes on, verse 34. 
Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea. This phrase here, lieth down in the midst of the sea, shows a fearful danger to what the drunkard exposes himself. So if you could imagine as it's going on a ship and the guy's drunk and you're on some wavy um, waters, maybe you're in a storm and the drunkard says, I got this. And he goes out and exposes himself to a storm where everyone else in the right mind is batting down the hatches and been inside. The foolish drunkard will do things and stupid things. Notice as it goes on in verse number 34. Yea, that should be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea or he that lieth on top of a mast. On top of a mast refers to the crow's nest, which is a very foolish place to fall asleep at. The crow's nest is on the very top of the sails of a ship and it would be the place where someone would be looking out for land. So first of all, if he's sleeping up there, it's foolish because what happens when you roll over? When you forget where you are and kind of just step out. That's very foolish. Or if he's up there drinking when it was his job to be on the lookout, he may miss the rocks, glacier, whatever they're going to hit and end up wrecking the whole ship and wrecking everyone else's life. Our equivalent drinking and driving. Oh, it's amazing how many accidents are caused because of drinking and driving. How many lives are killed on the road because of drinking and driving. They've endangered not only themselves, but they've endangered other people. Foolishness. Foolishness. We had a guy not too long ago who was under the influence, nice brand new car. He was driving his wife around, but he is out of it. And he is driving over every barrier, everything, just taking his car and just hitting it. And his wife is scared to death. She's been yelling at him and telling him to stop. Finally, uh, they get to a red light. She yanks the keys out and tosses them out. So now they're in the middle of the intersection. And so we pull up. I love his uh, license plate. I will not say it for privacy thing, but I'll show you the picture later on if you want to see uh, But I was halfway expecting because of his license plate for him to announce that he was Batman or Bruce Wayne. But when we get there and start talking to the guy, the guy says, did I hit something? Meanwhile, his car, his, his uh, wheels are bent in. He's got all kinds of fluids leaking from his car that are now just draining all over the place. His wife is scared, freaked out. And he's like, did I do something wrong? He endangered so many people and he didn't even realize he was a danger to anybody else. That's what alcohol does. Is that it puts people in a position where they don't understand or have discernment of how much of a danger they are. Notice as it goes on some more, verse 35. They have stricken me, shall thou say, and I was not sick. All right, that's a fancy way of saying a hut, uh, hangover. He's uh, sitting next to the porcelain throne the next day. Oh man, I'm so sick. And he doesn't have a disease or anything. But I'm so sick, I've been stricken, but someone poisoned me. Yeah, you poisoned yourself. There's nothing wrong with him, but he's enjoying the fruits of his labor now. 
What's so funny is they said, I can't wait to do it all again. Notice as it goes on. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me and I felt it not. Why is he saying that? He wakes up and there's bruises all over his body. <laughs> Where did I get these from? Well, if nothing else, from just bumping into stuff when you're drunk and hitting everything, but much less whatever trouble you did, whether it's the drunkard who says, hey, I'm on the third floor, watch me fall. Ah! And when next morning, where did I get these bruises from? Why am I still digging gravel out of my back? What did they do to me? Someone beat me up. No, you did it, goofball. When you were waving everybody, watch me, guys. I lived in Air Force dorms. I watched all this happen. <laughs> and they all, what happened? I don't remember what happened to me. Where did I get these bruises? Where did I get this wedding ring? Where did I get? All these things happened to them and they had no memory of what occurred to them. Verse 35, they have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me and I felt it not. When shall I wake? Oh man, I feel so horrible. But notice this, I will seek it yet again. In verses 29 through 35, we have a picture of a drunkard. We have a picture of half the people we work with who come in Monday morning, barely go out there, glasses so bright, be quiet. Oh, man, I spent all this morning just throwing up. Oh, it was so horrible. What are you doing this weekend? Man, I'm going out to the bar and drinking. They're going to go do it again. That is the picture of a drunkard. That all of these things, waking up, not having any memory, putting people in danger, and they want to go do it again. That is the picture of a drunkard. That is not a picture of a follower of God. That is not a picture of someone who surrendered their life to the Lord. We see that alcohol causes suffering. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 20. And we see something else that not only does drinking alcohol cause suffering, but drinking alcohol is deceptive. Drinking alcohol is deceptive. Notice with me Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. And notice with me in verse 1. Proverbs 20 in verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Notice this. Look at the opposite of it. Wise people will not be deceived by alcohol. As we've been searching for wisdom this year, we're looking for wise. We're looking for wise people do. Wise people will not be deceived by alcohol. Preacher, people are deceived by alcohol? Absolutely. It is much wiser to take God's evaluation of what the Bible says about what alcohol says than our own evaluation. Being a pastor here for a while, the number one people, people leave this church, what number one factor, number one factor that causes people to leave, number one is the Bible. Number one, they have a problem with the authority of the Bible, whether it's the idea of the King James Version, the authorized version, whether it's the idea of obeying the Bible, reading their Bible, number one reason or number one factor. So they may give a different reason, but the factor that that's number one. Number two, oddly enough, is alcohol. 
over the years that I've been here, I cannot tell you how many people try to pull me aside in my office, take the Bible and try to justify alcohol. Listen, I'm persuaded in my own mind. You have to deal with God and what does God have to say? If you are wise, you will find what the Bible has to say in all the verses, not just the one verse you think permits alcohol. By the way, there is not a verse that permits alcohol. There's some people that have a misunderstanding of some verses. When Jesus turned the water into wine, that was not alcoholic wine. The word wine in those days and the context that was in there was freshly squeezed grape juice, not alcoholic. When Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for thy stomach, that wine there used in its context was grape juice. That's good for you, by the way. But even if it wasn't, it was used for medicinal purposes, not as a drink. Preacher, do you drink NyQuil? Not as a beverage, but I do it when I'm sick. Does it mean it's medicinal, not as a drink? So let's define our terms. What are we talking about? We believe the Bible is a prohibition against using alcohol as a beverage. Now, you could disagree. That is your right. But I encourage you to see what the Bible has to say and take God's word for the matter. But drinking alcohol in the Bible is not pictured as a good sight. I just showed you a couple passages in Proverbs. You take the entire Bible and see what it has to say. Let's do just one verse. Turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 28. Isaiah chapter 28, God gives a reason why he had to reject his people. That should be enough to perk your ears up. Why did God reject his people? What was the issue? What was one of the issues that caused God to say, you know what, I'm done? Isaiah 28. And notice with me in verse 7. Isaiah 28 and verse 7. But they also have erred. They've made a mistake. They, they're wrong. They have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priests and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Why did God reject Israel? Because people were drunken. The leaders were drunken. The people were drunken. So much so that God tries to tell them in verse 9 and 10 and onward, listen, obey the Bible. In fact, let's look, verse number 9. For whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to the people. Verse 30. But the word of the Lord was unto him, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken, snared and taken. He says, listen, go to the Bible. I try to teach you the Bible little bit by little bit, line upon line. Notice he repeats it, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. They were worried more about their alcohol than what God had to say. And God said, all right, fine. You chose. You want alcohol? You want your gods? You want drunkenness? You want the... Listen, I gave you my word. And if you would have just listened to my word, this would all been different. Line upon line, 
see what the Bible has to say. That was the idea. You had to choose what you want in alcohol or choose what God says in his word. They do not coincide here. What does God have to say? Now let's give hope. Drinking alcohol can be stopped. How? Through victory in Jesus Christ. God can change anyone's life. That we know that alcohol is one of the most addictive substances and one of the things that is so hard to quit. But Jesus can give great victory. May I bring to evidence a man by the name of Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter lived in Chicago and he was at one time a very successful businessman. But drink ruined him in his business, ruined his relationships, and made him to the place where he was just not even paying bills. It got so bad one night that his son, his infant son, was very sick. They called for the doctor back then. Doctors did house visits. And they came. And the doctor checked the son out and said he is about ready to die. He, the doctor took money out of his own pocket, gave it in the hand of Mel Trotter and said, run, do not walk, run to the pharmacy. Go get this medicine. We could still maybe save this boy's life, but you've got to run. Mel Trotter took that money and started going to the pharmacy. And on the way, there was a bar. And he turned went to the bar and took that money that was meant for medicine and he drank it away. Stayed there. Finished the money. Didn't have money to go get medicine. Went home. So he went home. Wife is crying. Doctor's shaking his head. The son passed while he was in the bar. They went to have the funeral for the boy. Some people pitched in, brought that boy brand new shoes for the casket. And as people were getting ready for the funeral, Mel Trotter looked at those brand new shoes and says, you know what? I bet you I could pawn those things off. And took those shoes bought for this boy for the casket off the boy while he was in the casket. Took those shoes, went to a pawn shop, pawned them off, and took that money and went to the bar. Missed his son's funeral. He felt like an absolute louse after that. I mean, he sold his son's shoes for a drink. Missed the funeral. Everyone hates him. He realizes that he's messed up so bad and has no hope. Decided that he was going to go commit suicide. And like a lot of people in the Chicagoland area, he was going to go drown himself in Lake Michigan. Started heading towards Lake Michigan to the pier was just seeing the the, uh, Lake Michigan. I'm going to end it all. I can't live like this anymore. I'm done. Right before he got to the pier, off to the side was Pacific Garden Missions, the lighthouse for transients, for drunkards, for people needing help. He was on his way to commit suicide and he happened to make a turn. As he turned in, the preacher saw him. He was in the middle of a sermon. He stopped his sermon right then and there, went to Mel Trotter, took a Bible and led him to the Lord. Mel Trotter got saved. 
He actually worked a Pacific Garden mission. And because of his influence, he started several other missions all throughout the United States to try to help more people to get off alcohol and to give them hope and the hope of Jesus Christ. That God had saved him, but it was at a great cost. But God made a great change in his life. The story of Mel Trotter is amazing. In fact, it is an inspiration for one of the hymn histories. Forgive me, I did not pull it up right in time. But you understand there is hope. Maybe it's not alcohol that you have a problem with. Maybe you have another addiction. God can help you. He can deliver you. Your addiction is pornography. God can help you. It's smoking. God can help you. It's boys. God can help you. Laziness. God can help you. God can give great victory. There is still hope. You may not be able to do anything of yourself. You may have tried to defeat it yourself and find that you can't defeat whatever it is in your life. But the hope is, is that God can. The Lord Jesus Christ can great victory. Maybe you need to come to God and turn over some battle. Maybe you know someone else who's battling it. They need Jesus. It's more than them just getting off the bottle. They need Jesus. More than them just turning over a new leaf. They need Jesus. That's the answer is that they need to get saved. They need to learn to follow after him. And Jesus changes lives. Alcohol is a deceptive thing. The Bible preaches against it. We have to see what the Bible has to say. But let me tell you that there's still hope. That hope is in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.